would choose to forget. He would choose to forget the very thing that sent his son to the cross for you and me. That's our God. You guys can all, I'm done. We're not going to do any more songs, sorry. That song just, every time I sing it, just always gets me. And what a powerful song. As a teenager at our church, our teen choir sang that song all the time. And I hate to admit this, but I got to the point to where I hated singing that song. And I remember the first, and it, it happens. There are just songs that people take, and they just beat it to death till there's nothing left of it. And you hear a song so often, it's like, oh, not again. And then I remember the Lord convicted my heart. What about those words, Brian? Aren't you thankful your sins have been washed away? Yeah. And now it's one of my favorites in the songbook. It's amazing how that works. And sometimes we get very caught up in a song that we've sung over and over and over again, and it loses the meaning to us. It doesn't lose the meaning to Jesus. He's the reason we sing and who we sing to. And that song I just think about as a teenager, man, why did I not like that? So I, we sang it all, literally. When our choir director for our teen choir literally he was busy. He barely practiced with us, so he would come in. We're singing, what sins are you talking about tonight in church? Because every Wednesday night, the teen choir would sing. We, a couple weeks, we didn't have much practice. We, he was walking in. We're singing, what sins are you talking about? And now I look back, and I'm like, I love singing that song, the truth in the song. Sometimes we just get, let our hearts grow, a lot of apathy towards the things of God, and we can't let that happen. Romans 16 tonight. Romans 16. I always feared when I would go verse by verse through a passage of Scripture that we would get to a bunch of names. So at the end of the day, we look at a bunch of names, us, we could look at some of them and like, okay, we looked at Phoebe a couple weeks ago. Well, we formed a whole Bible study around her. Aquila and Priscilla last week, we formed a whole sermon around them. There are a lot of names that are mentioned now that are mentioned one time that we know little to nothing about. The greatest explanation for some of these names, and in Bible days what would happen is a lot of times their name and the meaning of their name kind of talked about who the person was. And so... We're going to read through this tonight, and you read through here, and you say, what can we get from here? If we believe the Word of God is the Word of God, and we believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that means that even verses like this matter. Honestly, I was going to skip these verses and go to verse 17 without not causing divisions. That will be another time, probably next week, unless the Lord comes. But then I thought, every word of God matters. That's why we're doing tonight's message. Chapter 16, verse number 5. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. That was Aquila and Priscilla. Salute my well-beloved. And I love in my Bibles, it like splits up these long names into two lines. The least they could do is leave it in one line 
so you could have it all right there before your very eyes. And so, Apanaeus, whatever, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, that's an easy one, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Dronicus and Juna, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of the note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amphilus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Statues, my beloved. Salute. You've got to remember I went to Bible college. That's why I can't do all these names perfectly. That was a joke for some of you. Salute Apellas, approved in Christ. Salute them that are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of narcissists, which are in the Lord. Salute Typhina and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, that's quite a name, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Salute Asyncritus, Feglon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Salute Figulus and Julia and Nerus and his sister and Empus and all the saints that are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. I tried to tell my wife when we were dating, we need to salute one another with a holy kiss. But it's the Bible doesn't say that right there. She didn't agree to that. So, verse 21. Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucas, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, my own, and of the whole church, salute you. Esterus, the chamberlain of the city, salute you. And Quartus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have this evening. Help us to get something from this passage tonight. And I know you have something for us. I pray that you would remove me out of the way. And I pray that you would bless the message tonight. And yes, there are a lot of names right here. And yes, we don't know most of them. And yes, I butchered over half of them. But they mattered to Paul. They helped him in his ministry. And we could say tonight that because of these people that are listed right here in this passage, that we were indirectly affected by these people and what they did in Paul's life. Bless the time that we have. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a good night.
I'm not going to say anything there. We're not done. That would have been a good, that would have been good, right? You just say, have you ever been at a church where that happened? No, I don't think, has it happened before? It has happened. Juan, were you preaching that night or something and you did that? No? You were, you were somewhere else. We'll have to hear, I'll have to hear that story later on. No, I've still got time. You come to church to stay in church. Some of you stay to get out. I get that. You just come to fill in your time. It's like prison. You just get it done, and you're, you get check out, and then you come back the next week and check back in just for a little bit of time. But as we look at this passage tonight, Paul is closing his letter. The doctrine is done of Romans. Probably the greatest doctrinal book of Paul's epistles would be the book of Romans. It's a great book that goes into great detail about a lot of things. And Paul closes it out with greeting a bunch of people that we list here tonight. Now, we don't know all these people. We don't know their families. We don't know a lot about their backgrounds. But what we do know is that Paul specifically mentioned each one of these by name. There are 35 names mentioned in chapter 16. There, it also says to greet all the other brethren. But these are the ones that stuck out to Paul. These are the ones who helped him as he ministered. And as we look here tonight, I'm just going to run through these names and give you a couple thoughts as we go through them. And then I'm going to give you some closing thoughts that I hope will be a blessing and a help to each of us tonight. As we look at these verses and as we go through here, there are a bunch of names mentioned. We start with the first one there. Epanetius, Epanate, yes. Ryan, say that for me. You make it sound so easy. Epanetus, yeah, that, that looks right. That looks good. There we go, Epanetus. I hate people like him. I can just say it like that. You too? Did you say that? His name means praiseworthy. Look at verse number five. It's where he's mentioned there. It says, salute my well-beloved, Epanaeus, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto the Lord. He is the first Christian in Achaia. That might not mean much to you, but it's praiseworthy to note that someone got saved there. We look at the next name mentioned, Mary. What Mary is this? Do you know the name Mary means rebellion? Isn't that interesting? Mary the Lord's mother was the furthest thing from a rebel. But that's the name, my rebellion. rebellion. And we look, it says, greet her who bestowed much labor on us. And though we don't know what Mary this was, or what all these things about her, we know for a fact that when it came to the work of God, she worked and helped the ministry. She was a blessing to Paul. And what more could be said of someone, right? It's under inspiration. The Lord agreed with it and knew it was true. We look at verse number 7, and we see Adronticus. That's good enough, I think. Ryan, is that good enough? That sounds good. Yeah, you could Adronticus. I sound like you're there. Adronticus is a man of victory, is the meaning of that name. And Juna, youthful. And as we look there at these two, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who were of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. 
So these were relatives of Paul. These two were relatives of Paul that were saved before Paul got saved. Now, we don't know their background. We don't know everything about them. But maybe they were praying that Paul would get saved. He was wreaking havoc on the church. And as he was doing the work of Satan, could it be that they were praying for this man? A kinsman, a fellow, whatever they were? We might have two of these people to thank for Paul getting saved. Just a thought. I'm not saying it's the case. Just a thought right there. But you see Adronticus and Juno. You see ne- next, Epamphilus means large. That's quite a name right there, right? Look at verse number 8. It says, Greet Epamphilus, my beloved in the Lord. And so I'm sure large, he had a large heart, a big heart for the Lord. Or maybe that was, that was my name before, a few years ago. Well, Epamphilus, that will be me. The name means large. Was he a large help to the Lord? What all did he do? We could go on all day long. Do we know? We don't know. We look next. Urbane and statues. Now, this is interesting. Because you look at those two names in verse number 9. Urbane, our helper in the Lord, and statues, my beloved. The name Urbane means of the city. And statues means of grain or corn. So have you ever seen a, a farm girl and a city boy? It's literally what you got right there. That's quite the odd couple right there, isn't it? Mentioned together right there. Kind of interesting. Kind of, who knows? As we keep on reading here, you say, Pastor, where are you going tonight? Don't worry, we're going somewhere, all right? We see Apelles. Apelles means called. And it says he was approved in Christ. Basically, it says he was called by Christ. Salute those who are of the household of Aristobulus, his house. His name means the best counselor. How would you like that to be your name? I'm sure when people come to counsel with me, they think, Pastor, you are the best. No, they don't think that one. But Aristobulus, he was the best counselor. Paul says, salute him and his household. We look next at some other names here. Herodian. It's where you get the word heroic. And it says there, greet the, and says, salute him. Greet them that are the household of narcissists. Nar- narcissists. Now that one means stupidity. I could give a lot of people that name. There are a lot of people that drive down the road that this is their literal name. If they had a Bible name, this would be their name. But how would you like that to be your name? It's quite a name right there, right? But imagine what the Lord could do with someone whose name means stupidity. Look what the Lord did with him. Um, We look at verse number 10. And uh, actually verse number 12. Typhina and Typhusa. They're probably twins. One means delicate, and one means dainty. 
Huh? How would you like that to be the, what you're, you're dainty. Anyways, we'll leave that one alone. Typhusa. Anyways, we have these names here of these two. Persis in verse number 12. And it says, labored much in the Lord. Persist means a Persian woman. But this Persian woman labored in the Lord. We know nothing else about her. But this is what it says about her. Look at the next verse. And the next name. Rufus means red. Now, it's interesting. You can, there are now... That could mean lots of different things. Maybe they had a red face when they were mad. Maybe they were like my son David and had red hair. Who knows? Or sunburn. There you go. Some people, and there are legends out there and historians that say, and Bible commentators that say, that remember um, the one who carried Jesus' cross, um, Simon, that it could be his son. I'm not saying that's true. That's just what some people say. We see Rufus is mentioned here. He was chosen in the Lord. His mom and mine, we see the next name there. And we're going somewhere. Just hold on, okay? We're going somewhere. Asyncritus, incomparable. That's that's interesting. Um, Philagon. Burning, Hermes, Mercury. Um, next one there. Petrobus. Say, Pastor, this is the strangest sermon you've ever preached. Just hold on, okay? Paternal. Hermes, the herald of the gods. Um, Figulus, lover of the world. That's what the name means. Julia, soft-haired. Nerus, um, Nereus, lump. Olympius, heavenly. And as we look at these names, who are these people? Why do they matter? The truth is they mattered to Paul because they made a difference in Paul's life. Each and every one of us tonight As I was preparing this message this week, we all have people who have influenced us to get us to where we are today. And a lot of times what we do is (laughs) we wait till someone's funeral to thank them or talk good about the things that they did in your life. That's what we wait for. Wouldn't it be good to thank people and share with them and thank them for what they've done in the Lord today? I think that would be a good thing. No one in this room is a self-made person. No one magically just showed up one day and said, I'm saved. No, none of us just got saved. All of us have a beginning. The ultimate thanks goes to God. Because he took a dead man, a dead woman, whoever you are this evening. And there's only two options, men or women, that's it. 
no matter what the world says, there's only two options there, okay? Only two. No more than that. Male and female, that's it. He took dead people. And last time I checked, dead people and dead things can't do nothing. Am I wrong with that statement? Ask a dead person to raise their arm. They can't. You can raise it for them, but it's going to fall right back down. And I don't suggest you do that, okay? I'm not saying you do things like that. But God took a dead man and a dead woman and let the word of God convict a dead person's heart. God sent his very son into the world, to the world that received him not, so that we could become his children. He loved us enough and cared enough about us that even when we are dead, he hath quickened us together with Christ, the scripture says. So each and every one of us, if we start with our story and where we begin, it begins by thanking God for what he has done. Thanking Jesus Christ for coming, living the sinless life, being willing to take my place on the cross, being willing to be persecuted, to die on the cross, and to raise again so that I could have eternal life. Being willing to go through all that he went through. Our stories begin with God and go to Jesus and go to the Holy Spirit. He moved inside of each and every one of us. That day that you felt the conviction and knew that you needed a Savior, it was the Holy Spirit of God that convicted you of your need in your deadness. Each of us have a story, but the story begins with God. And I think Paul starts out every letter talking about what God had done in his life. But then we could talk for hours tonight about those who've made a difference in our life. And don't ever take that for granted. And I get it. People change. Some of the names I'm going to mention in the next few minutes in my life, we don't even have much of a relationship, some of them today. Not by my choice. I think you should do your best to maintain your relationships, and relationships are important. You're going to spend eternity with God's people. You better start learning to like them now. You're going to have no choice in heaven. But each of us has a story. Paul had a story. And he took the time to write down each of these names. Say, hey, when you give this letter, make sure you go out of your way to talk to this person. Salute this person for me. Salute this person. They helped me, and they did so much for me. For me, it begins with a mom and a dad. Thank God for godly parents. Thank God for a couple that decided to follow God's way. Thank God for a couple that when they could have done things any way they wanted to, that sensitive to the Spirit of God, and they decided to get saved and get in church. Thank God that they decided to have a home that believed in God and trained me in a way so I could know Jesus as my Savior and my kids could be affected by that. You know, if we're going through all those things tonight, 
if there's been a point in your life where I've helped you and God's used me to help you, you could look back and thank my parents for what they've done in my life. I'm thankful for my pastor, Pastor Goddard, answering God's call in 1982 to go to a little town called Wildemar in the middle of nowhere. And it's not nowhere anymore. There's like 30,000 people that live in Wildemar now. It's a growing metropolis. I'm sure they're going to build a three-story building sometime. The hospital's only two stories. There's nothing taller than two stories in Wildemar. Wildemar. Someday, maybe, they'll get a three-story building. Who knows? I'm thankful that he answered God's I'm thankful that in tough times as a teenager, as a young man, he was there to help me along the way. When my mom was real sick and I was kind of discouraged and down and a senior in high school, he pulled his car up right next to me and said, just come to my office. I just want to talk. And he let a senior in high school just come in his office and just talk. It's under his preaching where God called me to preach. I'm thankful for my pastor tonight. I owe a great debt to him. Think of all my Sunday school teachers through the years. And you say, Pastor, these are your people. Yeah, you all have your people in your life too. You're not the one preaching though. And we got to fill in time, so I'm giving you more names of people. I was in second grade, and our church met. The property we were on got, something happened where the man who owned it died, and somehow he didn't completely sign it over to the church, and so we had to leave the property. We're a church of 500. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and we're going to schools wherever we can to meet. I had a Sunday school teacher by the name of Mr. Kirk. Second grade, he taught his class so well. He loved us. In the middle of that year, there on that, uh, and as we're there on in this bus, in the middle of summer, he had three boys, and his wife left him. Just disappeared. I heard that news, and I was kind of devastated to think that my Sunday school teacher's gone. You know where he was on Sunday? In my class. And he taught us. And he raised those three boys by himself. And he stayed faithful to God. And every year or two, he and his wife drop in here. They live in Arizona now. And you'll, every once in a while they drop in. But he made such a difference in my life. That even in the tough days, and you might say, you were in second grade, yeah. Hey, teacher, you matter. The life you live matters. The way you love those kids in your class, I don't care if they're four years old, if they're 20 years old, I don't care where they are in between, it matters. Because those little kids are watching you, and they see how you live, they see how you handle adversity, and they learn from those things. They do. They do. Man, all through grade school, 
I would love to say that we have the two best teachers in the world between Ryan and Caroline. But I would say Miss Ryan, my grade school teacher, is the best teacher in the world. She's still 30-something years later is still teaching. And she has the sixth grade. Now back then she had first through sixth grade. And she was a lady. She was, so my pastor, it's her, his sister. She just loved the Lord, never got married, but she loved her kids in her class. And she taught me how to be a good Christian by the life that she lived. And I remember there was this one day, I've told the story, the kids at school know the story about me cheating on my paces. And yes, I did ACE paces. If you did those, I feel so sorry for you. There's therapy and things you probably need if you did a lot of paces and all of that. Yes, I agree. And that's why Carla is the way she is. It's because of those paces. And we'll just leave that there. And uh, Lori, did you do paces? Yeah, that explains a lot. It explains a lot. I did them too. There's a lot that explains for all of us tonight the problems there. I don't understand. Some of you never did a pace why you are the way you are. But anyways, I cheated on one. It was Friday at school. And my dad drove buses for the church. And Miss Ryan, for years, had her bus route every Sunday. And it just so happened my dad had to drive her bus two days after I got in trouble at school. And I'm thinking, she's not going to want to talk to me. I'm in fourth grade. She's going to hate my guts. She doesn't. She just came up to me and loved me. I didn't say a word about it. I was shocked. But she showed me the love that Christ has and how forgiveness works. And that's what my first through sixth grade teacher did in my life. If I was making a list tonight, my parents would be on there. My pastor would be on there. My Sunday school teacher. My grade school teacher. And in 10th grade, and I'm almost done. I'm not going to go through all. If I went through all, we'd be here all night long. And then some of you are wondering, am I on that list? We're not going that far into the future, so you don't get to know. Some of you might be on there, some of you might not, but we'll just leave that there. But in 10th grade, we're at, and I'll add this in. My brother-in-law pastored for a few years. It was not easy for him, and a lot of things. My sister and my brother-in-law, they gave a go at it, and it just didn't work out. And there's reasons behind it and all that. But I got my love for ministry and wanting to serve God from watching them. They gave it their all. It just didn't work out. And I, I loved having my brother-in-law as my pastor for a couple of years. I still, you ask me who the greatest pastor, the preacher, the, the way he preached, my brother, hands down. Don't tell Pastor Goddard that if you ever see him. Leave that out with him. He'd be second. But Barry, my brother-in-law, I would say he was the greatest past preacher. I loved his preaching. I wanted to be just like him when I grew up. In 10th grade, there was this man in our youth group who was the 11th grade teacher. And I looked at him, and I thought, this guy is the biggest fake I've ever met in my life. He's always smiling. He's always happy. He's just something else. He's a fake. 
Little did I know, right before my 11th grade year, I got to know him. And I got to learn that there was nothing fake about the man. That he was the greatest Christian I've ever known. Hands down. Scott Colthart. Scott David Colthart. Three months into my 11th grade year, I only got to have him as my teacher three months. I could tell you almost every Sunday school lesson he ever taught. You know what teenagers want to see in their teachers and in those who teach them? They want to see people who are real and that are genuine. They see right through counterfeits. Teenagers do. He passed away on October 24th of 2002. Probably the hardest day of my life to this point was the day he passed away. David is named after him. Caroline said she knew too many bad Scots, so I couldn't have David be named Scott. So his middle name is Scott. And we got the middle name as the first name. But he left a huge imprint on my life. In high school, I got to work on a bus route. I got to work, Steve Bro is his name. And I tease him and people that are, he was just an oddball. He's just one of those oddball guys. It's just, and I could show you a couple of people in our church that are like him, but that wouldn't be very nice, so I'm not going to do that now. But he taught me how to love people. And I could go down a list, but I would encourage you tonight to go back to those they're alive still that helped influence you and get you to Jesus and get you to where you are today and I would just encourage you over the next couple weeks to either call them text them go old school and write them and thank them for the impact they had on your life You've got to understand something. Those names I mentioned to you tonight, they don't mean a whole lot to you, the names in my life. But in all honesty, if I'm helping you and God's using me to help you in your life, then those people really do matter. We are all in this room directly, or we are all directly affected by Paul. We are. Without Paul's epistles, where would we be as a church? Where would you be in salvation without the Romans road? Where would you be without Paul? And I, I could go to other passages, and you could from the Gospels, you could figure out salvation. I get that. But all these people helped Paul do what God called him to do. Reach out to those who've done that in your life. Show them some love. Say, but pastor, you don't understand what they did and where they're at today. Did they help you get to God? Then thank them for that. You don't have to thank them for the bad things. Because last time I checked, there's no perfect person sitting in this room or standing in this room right now. A lot of people mess up. A lot of people do a lot of things they shouldn't do. But if there's one thing I've learned from this passage is these people matter. They help Paul be able to do what God used Paul to do, the greatest missionary in all the world. And each of us have a story. And each of us have people behind us that have helped us get to where we are. And I would encourage you to do it. Write them and thank them.